just guys <laughs> we just talked for 40 minutes about water and realized we weren't recording you guys if I get emotional, it's not because of the water. It's because I literally just poured my soul out to explain how the water's killing us. And it wasn't recording. Jack, how the heck are you doing? I am doing fine. I'm doing fine also. <laughs> I had a real zest for life about 40 minutes ago. Right. And it's... You did great. It's, You're going to do even better the second time around. I really am. And I'm feeling <laughs> even more revved up about it now. So maybe that's better. Maybe Maybe I was like monotone. Right. Maybe not giving Now it. you're excited. I'm like, let's talk about the EPA. You know? That's <laughs> honestly always how I feel about the EPA. I'm excited. <laughs> let's go. So basically, I was called to talk about this on the podcast because I feel like it's really infiltrating my life, like no pun intended, but I'm being showered in water conversation. (laughs) Everywhere she goes, Kate's just sprayed with conversations about water. Dumped. (laughs) So (laughs) I needed to come on and share it with the class because we consume it and bathe in it every single day. And it's important to know. It's important to know about it. Okay. I agree with it you. It just is. So let's talk about water sources, where our water is all coming from. So the water travels to your and mine tap from a surface water or groundwater source through your local water utility or through an individual water system. So if you own your own home, you probably have an individual water system, but in any public or rented space, that is all typically controlled by your local water utility. So all public water systems in the U.S. are required to follow the standards and regulations, I put air quotes, set by the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, otherwise known as the EPA. She said standards. (laughs) And EPA standards. Regulations. (laughs) And I can't stress this enough, but legal doesn't always mean safe. Okay? In these super large government-owned corporations, it's almost impossible to ensure that every single faucet in the nation is producing a healthy, like, livable water source. It's truly impossible. It's impossible, like, systematically, and then even further, it's impossible due to campaign financing and who really controls these organizations. Precisely. So, I know that I say that it has like an overseer and that it's being regulated, but that doesn't mean that all is a-okay and that tap water is your best friend because it's really not. And a little bit more about where our water is actually coming from. So it's been noted that approximately 50% of the water used throughout Orange County comes from imported supplies. And those imported supplies are for us, I think it's mainly the Colorado River and then also some offshoots in Arizona, Nevada that pour into California. So the rest of it comes from a vast underground aquifer and recycled rainwater and several small groundwater basins. It all sounds fine and dandy when I say, oh, it's coming from rivers and rainwater because those are natural, you know, naturally occurring on the earth. Mm-hmm. You would think, wow. How fresh. (laughs) 
so refreshing. Like when I think about it, I'm like, you ever jump in a stream? How how great is that? It's icy cold. You know, your skin feels nice afterwards because you're like, you know, covered in minerals. But that, my friends, is not the case. Unfortunately, there are a slew of contaminants that have been found in the water that we all drink through the tap or are supposed to be drinking through the tap. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not as many of you are after this episode, but the most common water contaminants as listed by the Water Quality Association are the first one is naturally occurring chemicals and minerals. And I'm not talking about sodium or the nice minerals that you would think you would need. I'm talking about arsenic, radon, uranium, you name it, the bad guys, the ones that you wouldn't even dream of consuming or eating, or you would probably look on the back of your products and hope like, if you saw arsenic, (laughs) I would imagine you would put it down. Right. Like those are the things that you intentionally avoid, yet they're occurring in our tap water. I'm constantly on the lookout for (laughs) arsenic. (laughs) The second is local land use practices. So this ranges from anything from fertilizers, pesticides, livestock, concentrated animal feeding operations. So when I say livestock, I mean livestock fur, feces, hooves, blood. <laughs> blood. <laughs> and then, of course, pesticides, which Jack will dive much deeper into later. But those are things that you also intentionally avoid, yet here they are commonly occurring in our water system. Mm-hmm. The third is sewer overfl- overflows, and the fourth is malfunctioning wastewater treatment systems. Now, both of those things are absolutely disgusting. Sewer overflows. Uh, let me paint you a picture. Have you ever been driving down the road on a really rainy day and you look to the side and the sewer is spatting back up at you with that kind of gurgling brown gooey water? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's what a sewer overflow is. And the gutters are meant to carry rainwater to these water treatment centers. And unfortunately, sometimes the sewer water gets in there. Shoo. And how gross is that? (laughs) And I'm sure most of us know what um, wastewater treatment systems are. But for those that don't, it's basically your local or nearby septic system. And our septic system is where the water that our toilets flow to. And then it is then treated and processed and then redistribute throughout the community. And you would normally think it's like, oh, for sprinklers or hoses in the front yard. But unfortunately, it is also somehow traveling to the faucets in our bathrooms and kitchens. We'll let that sink in super quick. And if you can't already assume the health issues that occur when you're consuming these heavy metals, fertilizers, pesticides, poop water. The most common ones are <laughs> poop water. <laughs> Obviously, poop water. They're going to be like, why do these girls love talking about poops? <laughs> so the most common health issues that present themselves when you are you know, ingesting this water on a daily poop basis, <laughs> literally, are gastrointestinal issues, which I'm sure you've, or hopefully you haven't experienced them, but they can occur sometimes in Mexico, otherwise known as Montezuma's Revenge. Mm. 
It's that like discomfort, you know, I won't get into the details, but reproductive problems and neurological disorders have also been found to be caused by this contaminated water. So I know that we don't live in an emerging country where diseases like cholera and polio and typhoid are an active risk to the community, hopefully in any communities in the United States. And we are very fortunate to that fact. But that's not to say that the diseases and chronic illnesses that can occur from consuming these on a repeated daily basis aren't any better. They're just different. Right. And I think that's like a really key thing to note when it comes to this topic, because people could just think about, you know, the American water system and be like, you guys are so lucky. Like you have tap water that is drinkable and it almost needs to be like drinkable in quotation marks. Right. And I think it, it's really difficult because of course we're grateful and extremely privileged to be able to have water that can hydrate us and keep us alive without immediate ramifications But that's not to say that there aren't long-term consequences to chronically consuming these types of environmental toxins. And I think that people look at it and they're like, there's no immediate symptoms that you experience that are overt and obvious. But if you're drinking this every single day for your entire life and then you develop cancer from it, it makes it more difficult to track. It makes it more difficult to find causality. It makes it more difficult to regulate. And it doesn't mean that it's something that we should be consuming on a daily basis. It's very similar to like the Food and Drug Administration because while it's been proven safe to consume, it's not to say that it can't in the future or in long term cause what you were talking about, like chronic illness, cancer, heart and lung diseases. So basically, the contaminants that I listed above are not good. And I wish it ended there. But on top of those, the EPA is also adding in chlorine and fluoride on top of all of the bad things. And I understand... I don't want to say I understand why they're adding chlorine, but they actually have to add in some substance to kill the microbes that the water may have picked up along the tracks that I was talking about because they are incredibly dangerous. Like that is what's happening in these foreign emerging countries because you cannot have feces and pesticides and sewer flowing through your tap water. Like that will kill the population. But I don't know adding chlorine, which has literally been proven to cause asthma symptoms, congenital abnormalities, and in severe cases actually caused retinal and bladder cancers. So I just wish that there was an alternate solution that wasn't something that also caused all of these awful diseases. It just seems like there has to be an in-between. Right. We haven't found that yet. Because the barometer that they're comparing this to is poop as long as it's better than consuming poop yeah like but you didn't get polio from your water true and it's like yeah but i i also don't really want these like long-term illnesses that might kill me in my old age right i don't want to spend like my 60s onward or even younger i mean it's it's happening younger and younger and it's becoming more and more common 
I don't want to live with chronic disease or pain or just like stiffness, like the things that actually occur from consumption of these like heavy metals and chemicals. And what blows my mind, like chlorine, like at least I can point my finger and say, yes, I would rather it have killed the poop than not, you know, fluoride. There was just a random town in Michigan in the 1940s that decided to add fluoride to their city's tap water. And ever since then, the rest of the nation caught word and it just spread like wildfire. And now there's just fluoride in our tap water. And the reason they added it was to improve tooth health, literally, to just to simply prevent tooth decay and cavities. I would rather have cavities than cancer, personally. It's so mind-blowing. I'm like, when did we decide to start medicating our population through the tap water? When? I just <laughs> want to know. Why is that okay? Why is that kind why, of yeah. big government allowed? Yeah, like, why that and not, like, other things? Right. You know what I mean? And actually, studies have shown that high fluoride concentrations in drinking water elevated the levels of renal and liver function enzymes and have caused severe histological changes of the liver and kidneys. So like you were saying, we're not waking up one day with kidney failure a week after we drank a bunch of tap water. But also, like, who wants to have their liver and kidneys functioning at lower levels over time? Not me. And you don't want to know what I'm going to do because I don't want that. What? I'm going to purify my water. Okay. Tell me how to do that, (laughs) Kate. So it's always super important to us when we do these seemingly gloom and doom episodes to provide actionable steps for us and you guys to implement in your daily routines because no one just wants to know like a bunch of bad things that are happening to them and there's nothing they can do about it. Right. And thankfully, that's actually not the case. So why do we even want to purify our water other than, you know, avoiding the heavy metals, chemicals and poop? (laughs) Other than those reasons, we are literally made up of 75 percent water and actually 99 percent of the molecules found in our bodies are water molecules. So consuming high quality water is just very important to overall health. And being well hydrated improves mental equity, physical performance, and the body's ability to remove toxins, regulate temperature, and metabolize food. So basically, any bodily function that you can think about will be improved by drinking high-quality water. And I'm going to list off some purification practices that I think are the most important when you're either looking to invest in a purification system or just drink better quality water when you're out and you just kind of know what to look for. So the number one thing is prioritizing reverse osmosis water purification. So reverse osmosis, it's a system that uses a partially permeable membrane to separate ions, like which are unwanted molecules and larger particles from your drinking water. So you can imagine a U shape and the water flows down the U and then it goes through almost like a little tiny screen with microscopic holes in it that catch the bad stuff, basically. And then it flows it back up upwards and then it can continue through. It's obviously much more intricate than how I'm describing it, but I just wanted to give a quick visual because I've heard reverse osmosis a million times and I'm always just like, sure. But I have no idea what it's actually doing to the water. (laughs) So it actually is 
physically purifying it. And then I think that there are tons out there. You can do your own research, but the popular brands that I've heard, there's one that's actually for a portable at-home purification system. So it can either go under your sink, on top of your sink, even I've seen some people that sit it inside their sink, and it's called AquaTrue. And then there's also a bit more niche and probably a bit more rare, but if anyone is remodeling their home or maybe building a home or really committed to their water practice, they can actually do a whole house system that goes underneath in the pipes of your home, and it's called Puronics, and it has amazing reviews, glowing reviews. You guys should look at their website. And then another step down from those two would be subscribing to either a water subscription service or doing refills at like a local water shop. And if you're in the Orange County area, (laughs) I'm not sponsored, (laughs) although I should be. Citizen Water Co. is amazing. They do reverse osmosis and then the next little stat that I'm going to talk about, but you can either go in and fill up jugs or they do at-home delivery and it's great. And if you're in the Costa Mesa area, Moxie Fitness actually uses reverse osmosis at all of their water stands. So you can just fill up there. We sure do. (laughs) And then I was saying how we're showering and bathing in this water as well. And a great shower head filter that I personally use, it's called Jolie, J-O-L-I-E, is amazing. I love it. I love the water pressure that comes from it. It is fantastic. Wow. It's really amazing. And you just uh, chain, like you clip out the filter three months. So it's really low maintenance. Right. I really enjoy her. The second thing that's important to do when you're focusing on your water is remineralizing and adding in salts and minerals that were stripped during the purification process. So at home, you can literally use Redmond's Real Salts or a Celtic salt that you just have in your pantry. And then also at Citizen Water, they remineralize with high levels of magnesium and silica, which reduce ammonium and other heavy metals in the body. Pretty, pretty neat, if you ask me. And then you might notice how I did not mention Brita's or the Berkeley filters as, you know, approved options. Mm -hmm. And that's because they're not reverse osmosis purification systems. And they also don't remineralize your water. So if you're in a pinch or maybe you're traveling, like those are actually great travel options. But I wouldn't, if you're investing in a like alternative, I would not recommend either of those. Right. And Queen Generini actually gave us four questions that you should ask yourself before investing or purchasing in water purification systems. So I'm going to read those off for you. Great. The first one is, does it remove acids and contaminants? Is it pollutant-free? Is it dense with bicarbonate salts? And does it contain alkaline minerals? So if you get all of those four checked off, I would say commit to it. Buy it. (laughs) Get it. So No, but really, I mean, I do think that this is actually something that's come up with my mom recently. She was talking to me about not exactly water, but like some health things that she was hesitant to spend money on. 
And I was like, mom, sit down for a moment and think about how much money you spent. And I don't know what it is. Like we don't get really extravagant gifts in my family or anything, but think about how much money you spent on Christmas gifts for all of us that like, of course we love and appreciate, but none of us need, like we all got things that are like nice to haves. Exactly. Versus you could have saved that money. We all would have been happy to spend time with each other over the holiday and done something and invested that money in your health and your future and also to prevent a lot of big bills down the road to deal with chronic illness that's what i was gonna say like small investments i mean or even large investments might still make dividends in the future right and i think that's what's really really key to remember even like if you find a group fitness class that motivates you to work out and it's it's a little bit pricier but it's like the only one that keeps you committed and disciplined to show up that is worth the investment mm-hmm. in tenfold. Yeah. So, yeah, water is really important, guys. We're basically just big water sacks. <laughs> and the government around. refuses to spend money to no, make sure. they're poisoning us. <laughs> Listen, we don't need to get down that road, but. Yeah. Well, don't worry. We will. <laughs> okay, so you and I are really, really have it out for the EPA today. Because I, too, am going to talk about the Environmental Protection Agency um, and their downfalls. Let it rip. So we're going to talk about something called glyphosate. And I mentioned this on a previous episode, and I talked about its impact on agriculture and produce. But I'm going to take you through a brief little history lesson. So if you're not familiar with glyphosate, glyphosate is the world's most widely used agrochemical. And if you were to Google glyphosate and it were to come up on Wikipedia or on Bayer's website or even the EPA's website, it will tell you that it is safe for human consumption. However, if you were to go on PubMed or (laughs) any kind. Literally any other website. (laughs) Any like scholarly peer reviewed search engine, um, you would find contradictory information. So essentially what glyphosate is, is it's a non-selective herbicide that kills most plants. How we're able to use that on our crops, I will get to. Um, Originally, when it was discovered in the late 1950s, early 1960s, it was used as a descaling agent. So basically what it was, it was used to clean out calcium and other mineral deposits and build up in pipes and boilers. It's giving seed oils. Their histories are similar. They've gone down similar paths, these two. They're like this. And they both have a good relationship with the EPA. Yes. So originally it was used to clean out pipes. And then in the early 70s, Monsanto, who you are probably familiar with because they spend a lot of time in the news, discovered that it could be used as a powerful herbicide. So it basically kills all plants. Now, how we're able to use it on our crops is because also Monsanto, now owned by Bayer, but still a subsidiary, um, created what they call Roundup Ready Crops. Roundup is the name of the product that they sell that uses glyphosate and they sell it as an herbicide, both to like residential gardeners and commercial farmers. So they use this Roundup product, but they needed to make sure that the crops could withstand the toxic chemicals in it. So they genetically modified the seeds of 
the most widely used plants and produce in the world to be able to withstand that chemical while it would still kill everything around it. Because that's the solution. When something is killing the plants, you don't stop using it. You just biohack the plant and completely change its physical being. Yes. That is the easier solution. Of course. Yes. Let is, let's reinvent and make fake plants. To withstand the chemicals to, that we are putting yes, on top of them. To continue the use of glyphosate. Yes. Yep. Obviously. Yes. So that's what they did. Now, early in the use of glyphosate, the EPA, this is the early 1980s, so about 10 years after glyphosate came out, about five years after these Roundup-ready genetically modified crops started to run rampant. The EPA classified glyphosate as a class C carcinogen. So basically said that it that suggestive evidence showed that it had a carcinogenic potential. So it was likely that it was causing cancer. That was in the mid-1980s. The EPA said that. Fast forward, Monsanto becomes what it is today, or at least begins on that path. They're starting to develop a monopoly in the agriculture business, not only in the United States. Bayer is a German-based company who now owns them, um, and they started working with the EPA. And come 1991, the EPA decided to lower its classification to Class E as likely not carcinogenic. So it was listed as a carcinogen and heavily regulated for about six years, and then they decided to reverse that in the early 1990s. Another thing you commonly see, (laughs) when something causes cancer and then it magically stops doing that. That's like if cigarettes, yeah, like cigarettes give you lung cancer and then magically they stop. (laughs) Nothing changed about cigarettes, but somehow the outcomes have. Yeah. Yeah. So come the 1990s, now Monsanto not only has a monopoly on herbicides, but they also basically own all of the seed in the world. And they are selling this genetically modified seed to farmers so that they're able to spray glyphosate, kill the unwanted weeds and crops, and allow their intended crops to continue to thrive. Fast forward to 2015, the World Health Organization classifies glyphosate as group 2A, likely carcinogenic. More and more studies have come out. There are a lot of health implications to it, which we will get to. But if you've heard of Monsanto in the news recently, it's likely related to one of the 150,000 lawsuits against them due to the cancer-causing effect that their products have. They recently, just three weeks ago, settled a $700 million lawsuit with residents of Oregon uh, for polluting their waterways, putting toxic chemicals into them, and essentially ruining their water and giving people cancer through their taps. Doesn't surprise me. Right. Um, So I'll talk about a couple of recent studies that have come out. University of San Francisco study found that glyphosate was found in 93% of American citizens' urine. So that's good. Good. A 2016 study found that alarming levels of glyphosate were found in everyday items like Cheerios and Raisin Bran. It's pretty rampant in wheat um, and corn and soy, which we will get to. A King's College study found that glyphosate also causes liver erosion and disease in rats at extremely low doses, proportionately significantly lower than what is allowed by most regulating bodies. So the science around glyphosate is definitely becoming more common known 
And a lot of regulating bodies are starting to take note. So, for example, Germany just placed, which is where Bayer is headquartered, which is why this was such a huge deal, um, because Bayer also has like a big hand in their politics as well. Um, they banned glyph- the use of glyphosate and have told farmers that they have to phase it out completely by 2024. That's amazing. That is amazing. What it's like to live in Europe. <laughs> it's a real treat. I'll never know. <laughs> well, actually, interesting that you say that. It is Although Bayer is headquartered there and it is not banned by the European Union, there have been independent peer-reviewed studies on the same exact product, Roundup, which is the herbicide, in the United States versus the version that they sell in Europe. And the toxic properties of the one in the U.S. are 100x above that sold in Europe. Well, that doesn't surprise me because Europe actually has real regulations like, while they can still use certain things that are legal in America, their caps are a right. lot lower. Yes. Like, that's like their sugar in, is also so much lower in so many of their right. products. It's literally illegal. Right. So, yeah. So, 2018 was the, the year that Monsanto lost their first major class action suit related to glyphosate causing cancer. And so, since then, they've had to pay out $10 billion in a variety of class suits. However, they end all of these suits saying this is not <laughs> this is not an admittance of guilt. It is just settling the suit, you know? Um, in 2020, the EPA admitted, quote, grave errors in their assessment of glyphosate's impact on endangered species and off-field drift to other farmers and waterways. They did not admit directly that they had overlooked or underreported or anything like that. It was specifically on those two things, endangered species and off-field drift to other farmers and waterways. So they tend to be restudied every 10 to 15 years, and the new regulation comes out based on that. The EPA is now going to be required because of these appellate courts and different court rulings to do that a little bit earlier. So they're working on that, um, and we'll see what comes of it. Also, Bayer has claimed that they would begin a process of reducing and ultimately stopping the use of glyphosate in their residential sales of the product Roundup. Now, note two very important things. Number one, they said residential sales, which truthfully like is not the problem if you're spraying roundup on your flowers in your garden sure it's not great for you to be around the chemical it's not great that you're depleting the soil in your backyard but you're likely not consuming your rose garden so the fact that it's not it's not going to be sold to residential gardeners isn't going to have much of an impact on people's overall health because the real problem is gigantic commercial farmers using it and also them using the genetically modified seeds that were created in order to withstand it so it doesn't really solve the problem and also bear is on this like huge pr campaign attempting to assuage people's concerns over it like they have an entire section on their website that explains how safe it is and how the epa whatever despite the fact that in 2020 there were leaked emails between executives at the epa and bear very openly covering all of this up hmm. so anyway um Another thing which we've talked a little bit about is our soil. And Bayer, Monsanto, and glyphosate are largely to blame for the depletion of nutrients in our soil because it sprays onto the fields. It also sprays onto other fields due to wind and waterways. And it lives in the soil for months, completely depleting 
depleting it of its minerals because as you can remember its initial use was to break down and deplete minerals in pipes and boilers so now it's doing that to our soil which is great super awesome yeah so some of the health implications of glyphosate, it is has been linked to many different types of cancer. It erodes our liver. It negatively impacts our entire nervous system function. It leads to an increased risk of Parkinson's, autism, and ADHD. It leads to major reproductive issues. Um, and a lot of this really comes back to its oxidative stress. So we've talked about why seed oils are so dangerous and the oxidation process of them. What it does is it goes into our gut, it rips it apart, and it creates these free radicals, leaving us open to really any negative particles or chemicals that are coming into our body that can make us sick, that can lead to other types of chronic disease. It's basically just reducing our body's ability to fight off anything else while simultaneously breaking down good minerals within our body because our guts actually function very similarly to plants and soil. So everything that it's doing to the plants and the soil, it's doing to our bodies as well. So it makes other chemicals much more toxic than they otherwise would be. And this is like something that's interesting, even when you were talking about like chronic disease in general and how more rampant it's becoming. And we've talked about this before that like studies have found that over 80% of chronic disease in the United States can be prevented based on movement and lifestyle choices. And so much of it has to do with the food that we're eating and the water that we're consuming. And it's really unfair because the burden of protection has fallen on people and consumers rather than the government. And ultimately, you know, regardless of what your views are on the government, it initially was created to protect its citizens. Like that is the purpose of it. And when you think about how far they are from fulfilling that duty it is very very frustrating and so now as a consumer in the united states you have to be extremely educated extremely critical extremely really cynical about everything that you put in your body in order to keep yourself safe well it also is so unfortunate because it used to be like drink water and eat vegetables those were like two great things that you could do to support your health. And now yeah. it's like drink water carefully and really, really look at it with a critical eye. Make sure you know exactly where it came from. And now it's the same thing with food. Yeah. It's like even the vegetables aren't fully providing the nutrients and they're also covered in toxic chemicals right and they cannot be washed off it's not like something that you can just like rinse off the top of it like it is in the soil the seeds that they're using are inherently genetically modified in order to survive the toxic chemicals that they're putting on top of it it's not like a quick rinse is going to fix any of this no and when you look at how the stats have changed over the last, I mean, this is recent, this is modern history. Like most of these inventions, most of these discoveries have happened in the last 50 to maybe 100 years. So if you look at the changes in this, 52% of children in the United States are diagnosed with a chronic condition before they're 16 years old. That number in the 1960s was 1.2%. And obviously you have to account for, okay, people are going to the doctors more often, like science has advanced, we're able to catch different things earlier, of course, but a 50% jump. Yeah, it's, I'm, I have no words. Yeah. It's incredibly unfortunate. 
it's very very unfortunate um so yeah in general like all of the the obvious impacts of it like we're talking about cancer we're talking about liver erosion it also has a huge impact on our brain and our behavior so it increases the risk of at least some serious neurological diseases due to this oxidative stress and in general it lessens our mitochondrial function so we've talked about mitochondria you're familiar with it it's basically the powerhouse of the cell as they say (laughs) and it's responsible for so much of our just normal bodily function and this herbicide the most widely used one in the world in the world is on the vast majority of our food Um, it's been shown that exposure to this pesticide during the early stages of life can seriously affect normal cell development by deregulating some of the signaling pathways involved in this process. So this leads to alterations in neural growth, um, and it can lead to things like autism and ADHD. Um, another thing to think about is it's not just food, cotton, 90% of the cotton in the United States is genetically modified and glyphosate resistant for this exact reason. Um, So looking at your clothes, trying to purchase organic cotton, um, which leads me to the current status of glyphosate and some tips to avoid it as much as possible. So 70% of all of the crops in the United States use glyphosate. There are currently 14,000 outstanding lawsuits against glyphosate and Roundup. So they're still working on those. That is crazy. They've paid out $10 billion and they are working on 14,000 other lawsuits. So we'll see how those go. I can't imagine working in the legal department at Bayer. What is that like? They have to make so much money. Because how can you do that? Because you can't. Well, how do you go to sleep at night? They obviously make so much money. They control They're, the food industry in forever, yeah, forever one. Yeah. It's banned in Germany, Vietnam, Saudi Arabia, and some parts of Mexico. And it's starting to be more restricted and really like smaller governing bodies in the United States, states and local municipalities are having to create their own regulation because the federal government is simply not doing so. Um, so tips you can use USDA organic that does not necessarily mean it's never come in contact with glyphosate or any other herbicide. It's not supposed to in their actual processes. But if they're using land that was previously owned by another company, if their crop is nearby one where the water flow is coming or there's heavy winds or anything like that. However, by using those products, you are significantly reducing your exposure. Um, labels now are becoming more common that say glyphosate residue free. There is a company called the Detox Project um, that is expanding their involvement with different food companies and grocers. So you can look out for that label, glyphosate residue free. And you can look out for the biggest offenders. So I know that buying organic is more expensive. And it's exactly like we were talking about before with the water. Like your health is an investment. And I understand that not everybody might not have access to or the ability to buy organic in all of their products. Um, So here is a list of the biggest offenders in these crops. They are the most heavily genetically modified and have the highest traces of glyphosate. Are these the dirty dozen? It's more than a dozen, but the dirty dozen are included. Okay, great. Soy, corn, rice, celery, sweet peppers, spinach, tomatoes, Cherries, apples, strawberries, kale, nectarines, and peaches. 
I eat like most of those. I know. <laughs> I know. But I do. So, I buy organic. Yeah. So those are the biggest offenders. So if you can, if if at all possible, try to buy organic for those. Look out for the glyphosate-free label. Um, another thing that you can do, glutathione is a great supplement um, for fighting off some of these heavy oxidative stressors. It's an antioxidant comprised of three main amino acids, glutamine, glycine, and cysteine. And it's naturally occurring in the body, but it can be reduced and depleted by environmental toxins and poor nutrition. So as an extra supplement, it would be great for reducing oxidative stress and some of the negative impacts of glyphosate and other herbicides. Symbiotica makes one. Of course they do. Of course they do. Sherbine. He's always ready. Yeah, he is. He hates the EPA too. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So those were very good tips. Thanks. And I'm really looking. I think I'm going to get that supplement. Glutathione? Yeah. Great. Because I've been looking at it. It's like in a pack. It's like one of the squeezy ones. Yep. And I think I'm just going to bite the bullet now. I love that for you. You really you really nailed it. Well, you already got me on citizen water. So. I know. Now you just need your shower head. Mm-hmm. I do need a Jolie. Maybe one day. Yeah. A girl can dream. A girl can freaking dream. I feel good about our coverage today. I do too. And our tips. I hope you guys aren't too overwhelmed. But it's better to be informed than not. I totally agree. I totally agree. Like who wants, I mean, some things I like to live in blind ignorance, but not my health. Right. Not things that I know I can control. Yes. Like things I can't control ever. Yeah. I'm good. I don't need to know the details. Right. My water and food. Those are two basic needs like i'm kind of always going to need those guys yeah so and you can control them for the most part yeah under most circumstances and at least like 80 percent of my life i can control them right and i also think it's important because like obviously the rise of organic food in the last couple of decades has been significant but i think it's important to know why you're paying that markup because it is more expensive it's a notable difference and i think if you don't know what the alternative is doing to you it doesn't make sense to pay extra exactly especially on a product like that you're looking at two tomatoes they're exactly the same why am i going to pay 50 cents extra and honestly in some cases the non-organic might look better to you right and that is what's even more fucked up is the gmo food honestly looks better like i shop at mothers predominantly so they don't even carry gmo or organic or non-organic product in their produce section but if you go to whole foods Honestly, like, especially the bell peppers, for some reason, the non-organic bell peppers are beautiful. Like, yeah. so red and full looking. You should have seen the bell pepper that I grew. Okay. It was so ugly. Yeah, they're ugly. But it tasted great. Bell peppers are inherently ugly. And you did hear me say the bell pepper because I only <laughs> successfully grew one. <laughs> so, yeah. I think it's just better to be informed. Take what you want from this episode leave what you will but i'm happy we shared with the class me too enjoy your guys' rest of your day bye bye